We've been in a series from my book called Flying Higher, and basically it's seven principles God uses to guide his people. Now, if you want to do what you want to do, it doesn't matter what you do. But if you are a follower of Christ and you want to make the right decisions, the right choices to get through life reasonably well, he gives us some principles to guide us, to protect us, to keep us out of a ditch and a major crack up. Uh, Just a quick review, God guides us by inner conviction. Secondly, we talked about scriptural confirmation. God will never ask you to do anything that violates his word. Then there's prophetic confirmation. Then we looked at godly counsel or wise advice. In the multitude of counsel advice, there's safety. Get some opinions about what you're to do from people with proven expertise and maturity. And then we looked at circumstances and showed that occasionally God uses circumstances to guide us, to kind of move us. Not always. Sometimes it's just the enemy attacking us. So it takes a little bit of discernment and maturity to discern what? Getting some counsel on what's, is this the enemy? Or is this the Lord using this in order to redirect my life? And then we're going to look today at the peace of God. And next week we close the series talking about provision, where God guides, God provides. Now, with all seven, here's the key verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be confirmed. So you don't, you don't, God doesn't guide you by just one of these. It's two or three at a minimum, two or three to confirm the choice you're about to make. One of them is not enough to keep you safe. So you want to make sure they line up. The bigger the decision, the more important it is, the more serious it is, the more of these principles you want to line up. But never go by just one alone. Clear scripture in the mouth of two or three of these witnesses, let every word be established. So we're going to talk about the peace of God today. Real simple. I'll try to make it real simple. There's a difference between peace with God and the peace of God of God. Totally different. Listen to Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Not through anything we've done, but what He, the Lord, did on the cross. Peace with God is the benefit for every believer in Christ. No matter how stinky you are, God will never go to war with you again once you are in Christ. Colossians 1, verse 21. This is St. Paul again. And you, talking about us who were not believers, and you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has God reconciled, brought back you to himself. See, before you accepted Christ, God says you were his enemy. The way we thought, the way we conducted our lives made us enemies of God. Now, in Ephesians 2, verse 12 through 14, Paul writes that at that time when I was without Jesus, you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off from him have been brought near 
by the blood of Christ. So it's nothing I've done or you've done that makes God love me, that makes me close to him, makes me acceptable to him. It's what his son Jesus did for me that makes that possible. So we were at enmity with God. Now, if you're an enemy with God, let me tell you something. You want peace with him. Excuse me. Are you nuts? Yeah. You don't want God to be your enemy, right? If he hiccups, you're dead. So you want peace with him. So your salvation depended on God bringing peace between you and himself. So Christ became our peace at the cross. And Christ's redemptive work on the cross now gives you and I peace with God. And that happens once and forever when you're born again. God will never go to war with you ever again. He will correct you. He can chastise you. But he will not judge you. And he will not go to war against you. Or else the work of the cross was not sufficient. And remember Jesus said on the cross, it is finished. That, that word tetelestē, paid in full. There remains no more debt to be paid to appease God. Jesus paid it all. So I, when I accept him, now I have peace with God. He's not mad at me anymore. Now, Colossians chapter 3. Sorry to give you so many verses. This is church. <laughs> Colossians 3, verse 12 through 15. says, Therefore, as the elect of God, now I'm a believer, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so also you must forgive them. But above all these things, put on, meaning you don't have to. You can live without it. God says, if you want to be my follower, do what I ask you to do. Put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let, listen, let the peace of God umpire, referee, govern your heart to which also you were called in one body and be thankful. Okay, now watch it. Peace with God is salvation. When that occurs, once and for all, I accept Jesus. I now, Jesus made peace with God for me. And peace with God makes possible, here we go, the peace of God on the inside of a believer. Have you ever heard anybody say, I just don't have peace about that? That's a guidance system God uses to help us make good choices. Now, the peace of God becomes a guidance system for those that are at peace with God, for a believer. The peace of God can now be a means of guidance in your decisions and direction for your life and in your relationships. You know, if your wife says to you, honey, I, I hear what you're saying, but something in that disturbs me. I don't feel peace about it. You better pay attention. You bet, that's, that's God being a referee in a game. You know what a referee is. He's going to call you safe or out. He's going to call you foul or no foul. And so the Holy Spirit in you is trying to keep you playing this game of life in bounds, not out of bounds. If I'm out of bounds, then the enemy gets a free shot at me. I don't want to, he, 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 he's bad enough. I don't want him to have a free shot. 
But if you're playing, trying to live life out of bounds, you're begging for trouble and you're going to have a plateful. Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not food and drink, but righteousness, right living, and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, what is righteousness or right standing, right living? It's peace with God. Then comes the peace of God. And finally, you receive the joy of the kingdom. So when you don't have joy, look at where you lost your peace. Joy is the final byproduct of the kingdom of God. You know, how can you tell if the kingdom of God is in your marriage, your business, your classroom, your ministry, whatever? Three things, righteousness, peace, and joy. Everybody's doing the right thing, best they know how, and then there's peace and there's joy. If there's confusion and strife, that's not the kingdom of God. He's not ruling in your family or your marriage if it's just hell and it's always drama and confusion. And some people just think that's normal life. Constant drama and constant strife is not God. And he doesn't work in an atmosphere of confusion and chaos. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, God's not the author of confusion. So when I start, I'm so confused. That's not God. God operates in an atmosphere of peace. Okay? So, if you're missing joy, somewhere you're missing the kingdom in your life. Not heaven, but righteousness, peace, and joy. And I think one of the best witnesses we have to the world is joy. You know, another thing the world wants besides joy is peace. But you can't have joy till you have peace, and you don't have peace until you have a right standing with God. And you, you, until you have peace with God, you can never have the peace of God. I'll give you some scripture for that in just a second. So the peace of God is to rule or umpire or referee in the life of a believer's heart. It's a means of God's guiding. Anybody but me, I look back over my long, long life and I wonder, anybody but me ever violate that peace thing? And when you do, you know you're doing it. Oh yeah, you do. I hear people pray this sometimes, religious people choke me. And Lord, I, forgive me for the unknown sin. I don't know what happened, but there has never been a time in my life when I had an unknown sin. Every time this boy ever sinned, he knew it. And you know it too. Enough of that religious garbage. What nonsense. It's kind of like, I have an unspoken request. Well, good. You'll get an unanswered prayer then. <laughs> Is anybody but me witnessing to some of this? Even if you're not a Christian, but you've been around church, you've heard some of this nonsense. This is crazy talk. Okay. The, the, you see, I, I wouldn't be a good Christian TV preacher, you know. It, I might tell you the truth. And, and that'd just be too hard for some precious little people. So you know what a referee is? The referee in a ball game makes the call. He calls you safe or you're out or foul or you're out of bounds. He's going to call the foul. So the peace of God to a believer has been given as a gift of God to call the balls and strikes in your life. The peace becomes an umpire in my heart. There are people in this room, and of course I don't know who you are, but there are people in this room, and you're doing something you don't have peace about. You know it's, you know it's wrong, and you don't have peace because you're a believer, and he's put the Holy Spirit in you, 
and you're violating that peace, thinking you're going to get a good result, but you're not going to get a good result. See, where, where he is agreeing you are safe, you can be pretty sure your direction is in keeping with God's will. Are you following the peace of God that he's planted in your heart by his Holy Spirit and letting him umpire? You know, it could be like uh, you're going to sell a house uh, to, move, to move somewhere, and somebody makes an offer, and I mean, instantly you feel like, no, oh, this is not good, but there's some fear about the markets, maybe, I'm making this up, saturated, and we might not get another deal, and we really need to get rid of this and move, and you don't have any peace in your heart. When you feel that, God's either saying no or not yet. No or not yet. Don't violate that peace and let people manipulate you into making a choice you don't want to make. Maybe you love somebody and they want you to do something that you don't feel peace about doing. And you're afraid you might lose them if you don't do it. Now you've got a dilemma. Now, everybody's different, but my point is, if somebody's asking you to violate your peace, maybe in business, it's ethics, maybe it's handling money, maybe it's entering into some kind of agreement or partnership, and you don't have peace about it, you are headed for a nightmare. Don't violate that peace. He's, he, God's saying, out of bounds, out, strike, foul, you're out of bounds. You want to get in bounds. Now I have God's protection, God's provision, and God's backing me up. When I'm out of bounds, I fouled out of the game. I can't, I, the enemy's going to take me to the cleaners. He can't take my peace with God. That's been paid for by Jesus. But he can sure take my peace of God and get me into dilemmas that are going to cause me a lot of drama and a lot of trouble. That's right. The way you do almost anything. That word peace comes from the Greek word ire, I-R-E. We get our English word Irene from it. Anybody named Irene in here? Irene means peace. Cool, huh? I hope it's true, but that's what it means. It also means to join, to come into harmony or one accord. The Hebrew word is shalom. Now, in Hebrew, it, it means more than just the absence of strife. It means prosperity happiness, success, and safety. I'm in for that. How about you, right? On a few occasions, I've had somebody come to me and tell me that they've been offered a job that pays twice what they're currently making, and they'd really like to take it, but they're not sure God would really want to bless them like that. I thought, you've been in church too long. What, what is wrong with you? So I, I asked, well, how do you feel about it? Well, I'm hoping they've run it through all these different uh, principles. It makes me happy, makes me feel secure. So I say, well, I guess you have peace about it then. Well, yes, I do. But I'm not sure God wants to bless me like that. Who told you that? You know, you read first, my brother, my heart's desire to God and prayer for you is that you might prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. I don't have to pray about does God want to bless me. He's got clear scripture there. I do. I confess that over you, over me, over my family. That's a biblical pattern where God says, here's what my desire for you is. Some people don't know how to receive anything from God. What a shame. If it's bad, God must be judging me. If it's good, it must be the devil. What? <laughs> Crazy talk. Sometimes following God is just common sense. 
Some folks have the idea God's just trying to trick them. Now, of course, occasionally something can look good that's not God and not good. But the peace of God includes those thoughts of peace and safety and prosperity. Romans 14, verse 19. Therefore, let us pursue, follow after, follow this journey, the things which make for peace and the things by which we may build up one another. Husbands and wives need to learn to follow a course in their conversations that leads to peace. Anybody but me, I've been married 44 years, the same woman, there she is. It took me 20 of those 44 years to decide I'd rather be happy than right. And, and you, you, I mean, it, it, I look back at those days of immaturity and youth, and I thought, how stupid. And I think that was for both of us a bit unwise, stupid. And we didn't have any mentors. We both came from divorced homes and families and different relatives raising us. So we didn't have any role models. But we can learn. You can learn. You can change. And, you know, if you could just bite your tongue and follow peace, the home and marriage would be a lot more harmonious. There's not a day that goes by I couldn't fight with this woman. Not a day. And if you're married and have kids, I'll guarantee, unless you're a doormat, that's true for you. I'm getting a little action now, okay. Looks like the Episcopalians are waking up. All right, I, I appreciate it. Thank you. But I'm just saying to you, you got to determine whether you want peace or whether you want war. And God says, I'd like you to be at peace. Sometimes on a job, when you're ready to just let somebody have it, wait a minute, remember, renew your mind, follow after things that make for peace. Now, of course, there may be a time when you have to confront. That's fine. But not all the time. And I know one thing, we're never going to agree on everything. Do you think in any church in this city or this world where you have thousands of people even hundreds of people, it would be possible to get everybody to see something the same way, to agree on everything. It's not possible in this world. In heaven, yeah, but on this earth, that's not. We all come from different cultures, different backgrounds, different nationalities, different races. All of that affects us, and it takes a good long time for God's Word to renew our mind and our thinking to transform us so that we can understand, hey, we can dress different, have different food tastes, music tastes, style tastes, different cultures. But at the end of the day, where Scripture is clear, it's not clear everywhere. Where it's clear, we need to learn to agree with it, even if, it, even if I don't like it. I don't know about you, but there are things in that Bible I don't like. And God says, I don't care. Too bad. I'm God. You're not. And in my kingdom, this is the way I want it to run. And if you want my favor and my blessing, do what I ask you to do. I'm not here to hurt you. I'm here to bless you. I don't want to take from you. I want to add to your life. And I want to give you a little heaven on earth before you get to heaven. And you can have that if you'll bring my kingdom into your life, marriage, business, or whatever, by operating in this principle of peace. So I'm not going to have to get everybody in here to agree on everything. So when you don't agree or somebody's not up to speed with you, with what you know, if I know more than you, I, it's incumbent on me to show you more grace. Right? Sure. Be a little merciful to somebody. they got to catch up. So we have to forbear and love one another. Hebrews 12, verse 14. Pursue peace with all people 
and holiness or right living again, without which nobody will see the Lord. Now, there are disturbers of the peace, and they need to be arrested. And the number one arch enemy of any peace is always the enemy, the devil. He's the primary mover against the peace of God that resides in the heart of the saints of God. Satan only has two weapons. First is deception. He's called the deceiver. You ever been faked out by the enemy? And then accusation. Romans 12 says he's the accuser of the brethren. I mean, he'll deceive you into believing you can do something out of bounds and feel good about it. And then when you do it, you lose your peace and he condemns you. What a dirty dog, right? Oh, man, he's trying to make it attractive. Well, everybody's doing it. Well, they've got a law that says you can do it now. And na, 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 na. And pretty soon he tricks you into doing it. And then all that sweetness is gone. And now you stink. You're lower than a whale's belly. You're worse than a dog. Who do you think you are? Guilt, shame, and condemnation. Works all the time. All the time. He doesn't have any new tricks. Doesn't need them. These are working really good. So he'll accuse you in order to rob your peace. And the moment you step out of bounds and you violate that peace of God in your heart, you know it, and the enemy comes in to condemn you right there. That's why you got to keep that righteousness intact. If the devil can shake you off of that, you'll lose your peace. Remember, the devil is a thief, came to steal, kill, and destroy. And he can rob you of the peace of God. Now, he can't take my peace with God That was provided by Jesus. But he can sure, you look at a lot of disturbed things. They're highly medicated. They're clinically depressed. They are always in a bad mood. There's always drama. You wonder, what is the point of living? Don't you ever have a good day? You're breathing. You're alive. God made you. He didn't make junk. And yet you have no peace, no joy, no righteousness. That's sad. And I have to come to the conclusion that if God doesn't intend for me to live that way, I'm not living that way. There's just some conditions, and one of these is the peace of God. So I have found that he speaks and he works in an atmosphere of peace. So do your best to kind of shut out unbelief, negativity, strife, confusion, and what's going on in this world system, which is crazy. God works in an atmosphere of peace. If you and I are going to have a dialogue, or Cindy and I are going to have a dialogue about something we disagree on, we want to make sure, whether it's with staff or whether it's us or anybody, you want an atmosphere of quiet and peace. You don't want people screaming, shouting, and hollering like these politicians do. You don't want that. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, or you didn't vote. You don't want all that screaming. You'll never resolve any difference like that, ever. Do you think you could ever resolve anything screaming? Somebody call 911. I see dead people. (laughs) It's free to answer. I I see it all the time. You can't get anybody to shut up. You watch these anchors on CNN, Fox News, whatever, and they have a guest on, and the anchor is getting over a million dollars, and he can't even shut up and let somebody answer a question. And then they jump in and they overspeak and overshout everybody. And I thought, well, you're not going to convince anybody of anything uh, legally or morally or, or, or scripturally if everybody's screaming and shouting. God can't work in that atmosphere. Calm down. Chill. Dial back. Listen. You might learn something. Bite your tongue. Be quiet. It works good in marriage. 
A soft answer turns away wrath. Try that in marriage. You jack your voice up, she'll jack hers up. You'll jack hers up over that, she'll jack. Pretty soon you got an F5 tornado going. Created all by yourself. It's the same. Somebody's shouting on a phone, talk real soft. And watch how you force. It's a law God gave from the book of wisdom. A soft answer turns away wrath. That's written by the wisest man in the world, Solomon. And God gave him that wisdom. And he says, hey, don't go up with that voice. Go down. Right? Some of you are saying, I never knew that was in the Bible. Never heard that in my life. Maybe I ought to quit screaming. Yeah. Try it with the kids, too. It works. Okay. The peace of God guides, governs, and guards every believer. First, it guides. Romans 14, remember? Therefore, let us pursue, follow after things that make for peace. Second, it governs. Colossians 3, verse 15. And let the peace of God umpire, rule in your heart, to which you were called in one body, and be thankful. And then it guards. Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. I remember Warren Wiersbe one time in a conference said, boys, you have two choices in life in drama, pray or faint. Men ought always to pray and not to faint or quit. You only got two choices. So whatever drama you're in right now, you got two choices, keep praying or quit. The choice is up to you. So my advice would be do what God said. Let's pray. Let's keep praying about this issue. It ain't over till it's over. It's not over. So keep praying. Fight the good fight of faith. And after you've prayed and given God thanks, the peace of God will guard your heart and your mind. I've committed this to the Lord. I am not going to sweat this thing, get a wedgie over it. I'm not going to do it. It's in God's hands. I'm his kid. Even the devil can't touch me without his permission. And we get a view of that from the book of Job. Where the enemy says to God, I can't get him, you put a hedge around him. Did you know God puts a hedge around you? And unless you go out of bounds, unless you go out of bounds, he can't, he can't destroy me, hurt me. He, he can fight me, but he can't, get, he can't get to me. If I get out of bounds, he gets a free shot at me. He can't take my salvation, my peace with God, but he can destroy my peace and a lot of my life. So, be careful not to run through the stop signs of the peace of God. Before you sign that contract, before you make that deal, before you decide we're going to live together, be sure, be sure you're not violating your peace out of your own insecurity. Could end up with some bad drama going on here. Remember, God doesn't do it to keep you from a good thing. He's want to keep you from a bad thing. I've never come out smelling like a rose, looking good, saying glory to God when I violated the peace of God. Not one time. You know, so, so I think only 3% of people give anything to the Lord's work. And every believer who's in covenant knows that we are to give and to be generous people. We're to honor the Lord with our giving. 150,000 scriptures on, on the issue of the tithe is the Lord's. And I told a guy one time, I said, do you think a tithe is going to destroy your life? 10%? 
You know, if it's 50 bucks and I give God five, if that's going to make or break my life, if that does, you suck. Excuse me, let's end the counseling. You suck. You must be pitiful if 10% of whatever little you make is going to kill you. That is obscene. And if I said to you, come on, buy this new widescreen TV, football season's coming on, I'll give you 10% off. You say, shoot, that ain't nothing. And then God asks you for 10%. You said, dear my God, he's asking for my whole life. 10%. And he makes a promise. I'll rebuke the devourer. I'll prosper you. I'll back up. See, when you rob God, in a co- you're in covenant now. When you're an unbeliever, it doesn't matter what you do. But when you're a believer and you're in covenant, now you open the door and the enemy can come in as the destroyer, the devourer. And I've watched these people. They can't hold a job. They can't get a job. They get a job and they don't last. They're always a day late, a dollar short, always money short. And they can't see what's going on. You made a covenant with God. And God says, I promise to be your provider all your life. I'll meet every need you have. Honor me first. First fruits. First thing. Yet the greater majority of Christians don't think God means it at all. And as a result, they don't do it. So the kingdom is slow to advance, and it's our own fault. I'm just simply saying, the peace of God. Now watch, one more illustration, and I'll quit. 1 Samuel chapter 10. King Saul is now made king of Israel. Samuel the prophet told him they're, they're, they're getting ready to battle. Prophet told wait seven days for me to return, Saul, and I'll offer a sacrifice to the Lord before you go in to battle. But seven days went by, and Samuel had not come back. And when Saul saw the enemy gathering and some of his own men scattering, he got nervous, and he violated the law of Moses that said only the priest could offer a sacrifice. Let me pause right there. In the Old Testament, under the Mosaic law, the priest and the king could not merge those offices, or God would judge you. Ask King Uzziah, look up these kings. And Saul. But in the new covenant, we are all a kingdom of priests and kings. So Jesus changed all that. But this is under the old covenant and the law of Moses. So Saul did a religious thing under pressure because his peace was gone. He knew he was not supposed to do it. And I tell you, he violated the peace when he did. And as soon as he offered, oh, Samuel showed up. And Saul said, hey, the reason I did this is you didn't come, and the people were leaving, the enemy was gathering, and I forced myself to make the offering. What does he mean, he forced himself? He went against the peace of God. In his heart, he knew it's wrong, but he did it anyway. And Samuel said, well, oh boy, that's going to cost you the kingdom. And there are many of us who have stood before choices and violated the peace of God. And like Saul, we lost the kingdom. Not our salvation, but righteousness, peace, and joy. You can't get it with the wrong equation. I can't get a right result with the wrong decisions. And I can't get a wrong result with the right decisions. Duh, you reap what you sow. When you feel pressured, forced, intimidated, anything that causes you to lose your peace Let that be a red flag from God saying two things. Stop. No. Foul. Don't go there. Or not yet. It could be a flat no forever. It could be of not right now. Not yet. Okay? Okay? 
Come on, don't be spectators. This is simple stuff. Last, last verse, Isaiah 57. If you're from Europe, Isaiah. Isaiah 57, verse 15 through 21. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him who has a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and revive the heart of the contrite ones. Now watch this. But the wicked, those outside of Christ, are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters are always casting up mire and dirt. For there is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. They look at, you can buy more houses, get more cars, upgrade on the woman you with, you, you know, buy more clothes. Uh, I don't know what it is. Drink more, shoot more, rub it, smoke it, inhale it. I don't, whatever you do. And it's like, they never have any peace. Watch Hollywood, watch superstars, watch sports stars, watch people. And it's like, you ought to be the happiest person on earth and you don't have any peace. And then they keep dying. Oh, a drug overdose. Found him in his apartment dead. Drug overdose. That doesn't sound like a happy person to me. And nothing wrong with the career. Nothing wrong with the income. What's wrong is they don't have peace. They're looking for peace in a bed or in a gym or in a luxury car or another house. I just, I just marvel at how much intelligence God's given us and how stupid we act. I remember sitting with a good friend of mine in another nation. And I remember he said, Rick, there may be six steps to a good marriage. There may be seven steps to a prosperity, but there's only one step to stupid. <laughs> and you can burn up your life in one stupid move. So whatever you are, don't be stupid. Be wise, be smart. And anybody has, that's a Jesus follower has the Holy Spirit in you. And he will give you a little check and balance. Hey, 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 watch it, watch it. That's out of bounds. Don't pursue that. Now, I'm not talking about somebody who just stepped out of bounds. I'm talking about you decide I'm going to live out of bounds. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dishonor God. I'm going to rob God. I'm going to violate Scripture. I'm going to violate my own standards, morals, ethics, integrity in business. I'm going to cheat a little. It won't hurt. And because God doesn't sentence us with any kind of a penalty immediately, our heart gets to thinking, well, I can just stay out of bounds and it won't hurt me. Oh, oh. You forget God is gracious, long-suffering, and merciful. But he says, my spirit will not always strive. Don't presume on God's grace and mercy like I can do the wrong thing and get a right result. It won't happen. So remember, make a correction. If you need to, just repent and make a correction. God is eager to cleanse, forgive, and to get you back on track. So one of those seven principles is the peace of God. Last thought, peace with God comes through salvation through Jesus Christ. And that is never, that never has to be done again. That's forever. I have peace with God. But to have the peace of God requires me not violating that in my heart. When the Lord says, uh-uh, don't feel good about this, then don't. Well, so-and-so is so not you. For you, God's using that to guide your life in a particular way. So be careful. That's all we're saying. Remember, God just wants to keep me out of a ditch, out of a head-on collision and a wreck. When you see somebody crash and burn, they've run stop sign after stop sign. They didn't run that stop sign in one day, in one event, because God is merciful. They've been running it, and you just watched them finally hit the wall.
So they've been falling for a long, long time. It happens to preachers, business people, rich people, poor people all the time. So you want a good result? Let the peace of God rule umpire in your heart. And in every conversation or disagreement, let's first try to seek peace. We're never going to agree on everything, but we can be at peace with each other and respectful. Let's not be like what we watch on TV where everybody hates this side, this side hates that side, and everybody just keeps fostering hate. Don't do that. Don't let your group, your crowd, your people, your polit don't let people make you a sore, a steward of hatred and anxiety. God says, I want peace. Amen. For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.